Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So tonight, we're actually brought oh, um, brought some people together. Uh, you probably see Bob Worley from Bishop, California, is on here, along with Joe Jordan of over in South Korea. Bob uh, actually heads up a ministry out in Burning Man, if you've watched earlier episodes, the Camp of the Unknown God. So his ministry and my ministry have teamed up together to talk about the experiences of UFOs and basically alien phenomenon. And so Joe Jordan here is actually the expert on this. So I'm going to go ahead and let Bob take it away here because he knows far more about this than I do. I'm going to be moderating this thing and asking a few questions. So Bob, without further ado, take it away. Hey. Uh, one thing that I always try to get across uh, when we do any type of show is that we get our worldview from scripture. And so I want to uh, share a couple of scriptures because uh, without a foundation from a, a biblical view of this world, right, uh, we can believe the lie. We can uh, you know, be deceived and so forth. And so it's real important that Christians actually look at the authority of Scripture as for their life. And so in 2 Timothy 2.16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable and equipped for every good work. Amen. Now, uh, I think, you know, we've all heard the scripture and so forth, but it's telling us the sufficiency of scripture and uh, sometimes interpreting reality in these days could be kind of hard. You know, you got the History Channel and you got the, uh, all the documentaries on UFOs and uh, and all kinds of strange stuff out there. And so what we want to do is interpret the reality of this world by the word of God uh, so that we don't get sucked in to uh, fables. And in 2 uh, Peter 3.16, and this is kind of the, uh, the key scripture here, as also in his letters, speaking of them, of these things, in which there are some things that are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. And basically he's saying the apostle Paul has written some things here and sometimes they're hard to understand, but people take that like, uh, 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 like a piece of leather with a message on it and they stretch it and distort it until it can't be understood. And so this, give me an example, Bob. Okay, I will. Genesis 6, we were discussing that before the show. How we view Genesis 6, right? We should be honest in approaching it, and we should be open to understanding. Uh, and, and, and if people have different views on it, we don't separate. But, uh, uh, you know, there's room for that. But we want to be honest and we want to be honest with what every word in the Bible, the creation story, the resurrection, the deity, Christ, Trinity, 
And uh, so anyways, with that being said, that uh, again, we should get our worldview from the word of God. And I think that uh, Joe Jordan has been one of these people that have headed right in to uh, a lot of this deception out there and has dealt with it. And uh, that's why we have him on. So uh, anyways, Joe, I'm gonna turn it over to you. All right, thank you, uh, Robert. And thank you, Nick, for having me on your show. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on. I'll give you a little background on uh, your listeners, a background on who I am. I've been in UFO and alien abduction research for a little over 25 years now. Um, by profession, I'm a safety specialist and I've worked at one of the leading boat companies in the world. I've worked at the Kennedy Space Center as a safety specialist, and I'm presently working and living in South Korea as a safety specialist supporting the U.S. military as a civilian contractor. But my love of life is the Word of God and supporting the Word of God and helping people through a research ministry combination that I have called CE4 Research Group. And I'll take you back to where this all started. Uh, I didn't start out in this as a Christian believer. I didn't become a Christian myself until the age of 42. I'm currently 66. And up until that time, I was what you would call an agnostic humanist. Um, didn't care about whether there was a creator, God wasn't important in my life at the time. Um, working hard at my job and being able to support family and uh, being able to have a little leftover to have a good time for myself was, that was important, you know, to me in my life. Um, didn't see much of a future. Couldn't really see much farther ahead than, you know, the next paycheck at that time in my life. Had the opportunity back there, uh, 1992, time period we're talking about. Um, I was working at the boat company at the time. I acquired some vacation time and a couple free tickets, uh, airline tickets that I was getting ready to use on my vacation time and decided to go visit my brother who was still in the Air Force and stationed up at uh, Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, I'd had an opportunity growing up in my childhood. My father was, uh, um, um, he was in the Army Signal Corps, and we had the opportunity to travel all over Europe in my growing up years. Uh, I'd been to 13, 14 countries by that time, you know, and I miss being able to travel like that. So when the opportunity came with these free round-trip tickets to go anywhere that I was able to obtain, I figured I'm going to take the time. I'm going to go as far as I can use those tickets. And being that they were with an American airline, um, Anchorage was that, that distance that I could go the farthest away. So, hey, I got a brother I can go stay with. Uh, I took my son and my mom along with me. They can go see my brother and his family, and my son could see his cousins. And uh, they were going to stay for a month. I only had nine days in, uh, that I could stay. But thought, great, this is a great getaway. But where it all started with the UFO realm 
was this vacation. It was the day I left to go on this vacation. I was flying out of Orlando, Florida. I realized that this was going to be a 10 and a half hour journey to get from Orlando to Anchorage. That's a lot of time on an airplane. And there was a couple changes in between, but it's still a lot of time on an airplane. This was way back before we had all the, you know, the goodies that we had on planes like we do now, where you could plug in your pad, watch behind, you know, the TV's movie behind the seats and all that stuff. This was before that. So hard for some of you guys to imagine that, but yeah, things were different back then. So I went to the kiosk there in the airport where they have, uh, snacks, candies, books, magazines, things like that. And I figured I'd find a magazine or a book to pick up and read on the plane. Well, I used to be an avid science fiction reader. And I thought maybe paperback would do, maybe science fiction book. I hadn't read one in a long time. So I went looking through the, the books. Actually went to the magazines first. Didn't see anything there. It caught my attention. So went to the book section. Uh, went to the fiction section. Started looking at the science fiction stuff. Didn't really see anything that caught my eye. Kind of wandered over into the other areas. And all of a sudden, there's this book that I looked at. And I go, ah, here's one. And I picked it up. And at first glance, it looked like a science fiction book to me. But I turned it over, and it read differently on the back. It said it was an actual scientific investigation into an event that it happened back in 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico. Um, that book was called UFO Crash at Roswell. Well, to me, that book, looking at it, the cover and reading what it said, just puzzled my mind because I knew what science fiction was. Science fiction was not reality. Science fiction was taking ideas from reality and twisting them to make them to where they were not reality. They were escapism. And I loved escapism. Um, a lot of people use drugs for escapism. You know, anything to get us away from the doldrums of life. You know, the things that just wear us down day after day. We love to escape. People escape from with alcohol, with drugs, with uh soap operas, you know, on TV, whatever your, your thing is. Some people go fishing, you know, but we all have our own guilty. getaways. <laughs> fishing, we, fishing all, guilty. Yeah. We, we all have our own getaways of some sort. And mine was science fiction. And I knew what fiction was. You know, it was just escapism. I, I knew where to, that line was between reality and fiction. I knew there was a definite black thick line that you could tell the difference between reality and fiction. I had no problem with that. But this line blurred that line. This book blurred that line. It, it graded to where I couldn't understand how you could say that this event in Roswell, which supposedly was about aliens, which to me was science fiction to the core. Anything about aliens was science fiction in my life. But yet they were saying it actually happened here on Earth in a place in New Mexico. No, that doesn't make sense to me. So I said, what the heck? I got to buy this book. I got to see what they're talking about. I bought the book. I read the book. I read it very fast. I had to find out what they were talking about. 
I always had an inquisitive mind and this one caught my attention. Well, I went down a rabbit hole that was deeper than I thought deep could go. I came back from that trip and I had questions upon questions upon questions concerning this information on Roswell. And they actually talked about other events that probably happened or so-called it happened or people said they had happened in the book. So I had to go find out more because I'm just not accepting this. This is not making sense in my rational mind. And it happened to be that I had the opportunity to see a commercial on my local TV station there in um, Central Florida. They were interviewing a couple that had just opened a, a new business on International Drive in Orlando. Um, they were <laughs> actually, it was coincidental that they were opening up a UFO museum on International Drive. And International Drive, if your listeners don't know if they've never been to Orlando, is where all the attractions are. Uh, they're all you know, accumulated in the same area in downtown Orlando, off I-Drive, Universal Studios, uh, SeaWorld, all those places are right down there together where they can keep all the people in one place. Well, location, 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 you know how it is with business. So he picked a location, a good one. And I decided, well, this guy ought to know something about the subject matter. So I decided to go visit him. So I took a Saturday morning, got up early, went over there to this guy's museum. And I said, I'm going to get me some answers to this. So I went over and he had just opened up. And it was a neat little place up on a second floor of uh, like a little strip mall there off I Drive. It was a brand new building anyway. And uh, he had gotten a chance to get in there and rent a place. And the way it was set up as a museum was that he had collected a lot of uh, memorabilia and uh, news clippings and books and articles, magazine articles. And it set up a historical timeline walkthrough uh, museum concerning the UFO subject. And you could go through the, the whole history down aisle upon aisle upon aisle and, and read all the different stuff involving, you know, the, the subject matter of UFOs and aliens, you know, throughout history. It was, it was pretty neat. And he had a little storefront part out, you know, out in the front when you first come in and leave, you know, where you could buy books or magazines or all sorts of little neat UFO trinkets. So I made the trip through the first time and saw all the neat little stuff that was historical about the subject matter. And then I started in with the questions. And the guy and his wife, great, great couple to talk to, you know, very hometown people. Um, very good for that little idea that they had put together there. And I got to talking to him a lot and I made quite a few trips over to see him. And I found out quickly that he had a very long history in the UFO realm. He was actually a former state section director for Orange County, which was the county where Orlando is in there in central Florida for the Mutual UFO Network, which is the largest grassroots uh, research organization in the world today. Um, there used to be other organizations around, um, 
APRO was one of them, NICAP was another one. Um, they've kind of gone their way over the years, but MUFON is the one that's been around the longest and uh, they were founded in 1969. There's about 5,000 members worldwide and they have in field investigators and researchers and scientists working with them, all voluntary, it's all nonprofit organization. And he explained how the organization worked and you know the work that they do um, being nonprofit and you know how you could be involved in it. And I thought, you know what? Maybe this is a way that I could find out a lot more. And he, he introduced me to the organization. I became a member. And the more I would visit him, the more he saw that I had a really keen interest in this. And he said, you know, if you really want to dig deep into this, he says, why don't you become more involved? And I said, well, what do you mean? You know, I joined MUFON. He says, well, you can actually become a field investigator and, you know, be called out on um, investigation follow-ups on sighting reports. And I said, wow, that would be cool. And, um, uh, I went through the process to become a field investigator for MUFON. And then soon after that, uh, he approached me and said, I've talked to the state director and he said, you know, there's no chapter in Brevard County where you're located. And I lived on the coast in Brevard County, Florida, which is where the Kennedy Space Center is located. And mm -hmm. there was no MUFON chapter there. And they were trying to fill in on all the counties and all the states, you know, in the U.S. to have people available to do sighting report investigations. And, you know, that, that's the goal of MUFON and eventually reach out to other countries around the world. And he said, you know, I talked to them and if you're interested, uh, I can put you in contact with them and they'd like to do an interview with you and possibly, you know, give you the opportunity to set up a state section director in your own county. And then you can train up field investigators under you and you can set up a chapter and get it running. And I thought, okay, I'm good with that. So off and running I go. And eventually I became state section director for Bavard County, had my own chapter get the, going together, had five field investigators trained up right away. Um, guys that were as interested as I was, if not more. Um, but I'm still carrying this, you know, I don't know if this stuff is real you know, idea. These guys were, they fully believed it, you know, outright with no evidence. But me, you, you got to show me something here. I'm a sci-fi fan. To me, this is still sci-fi, you know? And uh, so I'm still at it from that perspective. I got, this is my worldview on this, you know, the pretty much the scientific view on it. You know, you got to show me some evidence. Because this, this stuff, don't, it, it doesn't play in here. I'm not just going to accept this just because people think it's, it's there, you know, or, or believe it should be there. Got to show me something. And so far, they weren't. And, and MUFON didn't have anything at the time. You know, they're doing lots of investigations, lots of follow-ups, but they have no evidence at that time. And this was back in, like I said, early 90s. Um. One of the requirements I had to do with MUFON was put up a monthly meeting available to the public to come out and visit. And the reason for that was twofold. One, to educate the public on MUFON's work and findings and um, get them interested in the subject matter. 
And the other part of that was is to encourage them to become memberships and contributors to MUFON. So by them contributing and getting interested, it, it gives MUFON enough um, financial support to be able to do more research. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how, you know, the whole thing works. So we went to a local library and the library says, yeah, we'll give you a room for free, you know, once a month, no problem. And uh, you can use all of our video equipment that we have, anything that you, you know, we have is available to you, as long as you don't charge anybody to come to the meetings. And I said, nope, we're not allowed to charge for MUFON. Uh, it's all, you know, not for profit. It's uh, gonna be free, open to the public. Uh, we're gonna encourage, you know, joining for the membership. And they said, well, that's okay, because you're not taking money there. I said, no, we don't do that. It's mail-in for that. So. Off and running we go. We print up this nice little sign. We put it on the outside door of the, uh, the library room that we had and we said, UFO meeting, public welcome. <laughs> you ever thought about doing that? Let me tell you what, think about it real hard because you have no idea what kind of people are gonna show up at a meeting like that. Uh, I didn't really think about it real hard, but I put that sign up there and right away our first meeting, we probably had 30 people show up that saw that sign. And I went, wow, you know, there's a lot of interest here. And that eventually grew to 50, sometimes 70 in our meetings. And um, all sorts of people show up. I'm talking all sorts. And they all got these strange stories to tell, you know, and I'm like, what did I get into? And I'm trying to keep this all straight and level-headed, you know. Mm -hmm. And these people got stories that are that are far more fantastic than some of the science fiction stories that I read. Well, I'm still doing sighting follow-ups, and we're giving reports back to them, you know, move on and back to the people that are coming. We're listening to their stories. And these people, the sad thing is they figured we were the experts and we were going to have answers to oh, all their questions. Right. And we were by far from the experts, you know. Um, we were just trying to do the, the work to help them find the answers to their questions, but nobody has the answers at that time. Um, but we listened. We listened, you know, very deeply to their stories as much as we could. And one thing that I saw very different there that I had to pay close attention to and I have to take you back for a second before I tell you what it is. When I had the interview with the state director for MUFON, he warned me about something. He said, you're going to come across some people that will show up at your meetings that you won't be able to work with in relation to MUFON. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he says, some of the things that they'll talk about you MUFON cannot work with because it's things you cannot scientifically investigate. And I didn't realize later till, you know, it started happening that what he was talking about were the people that were coming to the meetings that had connections with the new age and the metaphysical realm. And they go hand in hand with the UFO realm, if, if you don't know. And I didn't know at the time that they did. 
and they're showing up and they got all these crazy ideas and teachings that they're wanting to share. And I'm like, you know, this is more bizarre than the UFO stuff. And then it made the, the connection where this was what they were talking about. But I had to step back for a second and go, why would I not explore every avenue of this? If I'm going to be an honest researcher, why would I not explore all of the phenomena? Why would I only pick and choose certain parts of it? So I understood MUFON's aspect of it. As a MUFON rep, I couldn't, ex I couldn't explore it with their methodology. Understanding that, I was still going to look at this phenomenon of, of what they were sharing and try to at least stay open to listening to what they had to offer and trying to see what that connection was. And that connection, as I listened to, the, to what they had to say, was a connection that I had recognized before but didn't pay much attention to. But it, I remembered that connection. And it was connection I had made back to when I first walked into my, that guy's UFO museum. Remember I said he had that little area like a store in the front where you walk in and when you walk out? Yeah. His books and magazines and stuff for sale in there. When I stopped at one time and looked at all the books and stuff he had for sale, there was some stuff in there I thought, I wonder why this stuff is here. I wonder why he has these books here. I wonder why these magazines are here. And they were books and magazines of what to me seemed like a spiritual nature. And me not being a spiritual guy at the time, I'm like, you know, I don't know what they mean, but I can tell that they had some kind of spiritual nature to them. And I'm like, what does this got to do with the UFO realm? Right. Well, now I'm making that connection. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing that what these people are talking about is what he had in his museum. And I'm thinking, why is that? And when I started listening to these people and their connection to this, I started putting it together because there was a specific group of people coming to these meetings that I started to recognize as not very happy people. They were very agitated. They were definitely not happy people. Let me put it that way. Something was definitely wrong. Um, they were definitely there looking for hope, looking for help, looking for answers. And we had none of that for them. But they were desperate to, to get something. And they were willing to come and keep coming to, to hope that something would pop up to be able to give them an answer to what they were dealing with. Right. And I didn't know what they were dealing with. And we started listening to them and trying to understand what was, what was wrong with these people. You know, was I dealing with some crazies coming in here? Or, you know, that should we separate who's allowed in or what? And then as I listened to their stories, I realized, oh, this is something definitely different. And these people 
were not people claiming to actually have seen sightings, but these were people who were claiming to have had what is called today the alien abduction experience. And I'm thinking, well, that's a new area to all of this that I hadn't explored yet. I was dealing with sightings, um, close encounters of the first kind, second kind, or third kind. I knew there was a fourth, fifth, and sixth kind, but that wasn't part of what I was working with because MUFON really wasn't working with those kinds. Um, kind of hard to explore those kinds, you know, really, scientifically. Um, mm -hmm. The sixth kind you can because those are actual, I mean, that's actual physical uh, injury or death. It, you know, those can be documented, but um, four and five is kind of out there to, to be able to um, document scientifically. Right. So we were more focused on one, two, and three. And people are familiar with close encounters of the third kind. That's contact with a being. You know, the first two are, first one's point, point of light in the sky. Second one is one that leaves a trace mark, you know, and then the third is actual contact. Um, so we had to look at this as another part of the phenomenon, but yet again, we couldn't look at it as MUFON reps because MUFON had no foundation at that time of how to look at this and, you know, um, explore the abduction phenomenon. They talked about it. Um, they had somebody that was their head of abduction research at the time, uh, John Carpenter out of Missouri uh, was ahead at that time, but they had no organization or foundation like they do today that's, that's actually working with it. And I couldn't exclude it. I had to be open to listen to it because I myself, even though I was part of MUFON, I was more than MUFON. I wanted to know answers to what this was. I wasn't going to limit myself to a small avenue and say, this is, this is my research avenue right here. I was going to open it up and say, if it fits in this realm, I'm going to look at it and understand why is it part of this realm. Of course. You know, and, and as I did, I started to see there was a whole lot more that's part of this realm. You know, you get into crop circles, you get into cattle mutilation, you get into all sorts of crazy bizarreness that for some reason, it's all part of this UFO realm. And then, it, you know, that just makes the bizarreness that much deeper. Now, like I said, that was a very deep rabbit hole I ended up going down. But keep in mind, I'm still looking at this through my agnostic humanist worldview. But as I started exploring the abduction experience, I told my researchers, I said, guys, we're MUFON. We've just, you know, we've, we've chosen to be MUFON and we're going to continue to be MUFON. But I said, listen to me for a moment because I got, a, I got an idea. I said, if we really want to get to the answers of what this phenomenon is about, I believe we need to go to where the front line of this phenomenon is. And I said, I believe the front line is where these people who are claiming the abduction experience or contact experience, the contactees and abductees, I believe they are the front line. 
because it's one thing to see a, uh, an object or a light in the sky. It's another thing to say that you've been in contact with the beings that were on board that, you know, right. object or light in the sky, you know? So logically they agreed with me. So we turned our focus onto the abduction and contact experience. And we started looking at that in depth. But before we got too focused on it, I said, guys, these people are traumatized. I can see this. I can see that something has turned their lives upside down and it can't be good. So I don't wanna cause any more damage here. I definitely don't want any lawsuits saying that we're working as counselors and people are suing us for destroying these people any worse than they already are. So we gotta be real careful. Let's educate ourselves as much as we can on this subject matter. So we went out, we purchased all the books, the videos that were available at the time by the leading researchers in the realm at that time to educate ourselves to start this work without causing more damage than was already done to these people by the experience itself. So off and running we went. As we started exploring this and taking these people's stories and listening to them, we saw the same commonalities that the other researchers were seeing. We were seeing nothing different. The only thing that I saw that they weren't talking about was this spirituality connection. And it wasn't talked about in the research that the other researchers were doing. They were focused on the abduction research, but I saw this other outside thing that was connected somehow, and I was interested in that. So I started trying to focus more and, and see why this connection was there. Why was this spiritual connection there? What was it, and was it helping them, you know, in any way? So I started exploring that avenue kind of on my own. And as I did, it, it, it sucked me in very quickly. And I, I guess looking back on it now, I guess I could say that, you know, I had something missing in my own life that I didn't even realize. I had this hole that needed to be filled and I didn't realize it because as soon as I opened myself up to this realm, this new age metaphysical realm, it was like, wow, you know, this, it, this is amazing. This feels so much like, you know, something I've always needed or always wanted, but didn't know it was there. Um, it, it gave me purpose. It gave me, uh, it, it made me feel like I was somebody. And I guess the, the whole basis of it is, is it's based on, on acquiring knowledge, you know, the whole idea. It, it's all based on this quest for enlightenment. And that enlightenment is, 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 a, is acquiring knowledge to reach that enlightenment. You know, and the more you get, the more you want, and you know, it you you're chasing this this carrot on a string, you know, and sad thing is, you never reach it. 
You never, ever reach it. Um, I like uh, was having it? the dog on the treadmill. You put the treat in front of it. The dog's always running on the treadmill. It's a hamster on the wheel. You always leave hamsters always trying to get to that treat. But no matter exactly. how hard it runs and how long it goes for, it will never reach it. No. And I didn't realize that until much, much later. But I spent three and a half, four years into the metaphysical realm as a practitioner myself. I was at the point to where I was so convicted of what I had learned, and I realized, you know, I was convinced that all the other isms of the world were wrong. Well, not all of them. Um, one of them was wrong. All the other ones, you know, were, were pretty much on the same ground. Um, it, it wasn't that all dogs go to heaven. It's just that uh, um, they all do, but, you know, there was one way that, that just didn't jive, and that was Christianity, you know. Why was that? Why was that? Yeah, like why, because I've heard the same thing about different New Age belief systems, but they, they're echoing what you're talking about. Why was it that Christianity you know, is so segregated in that in a retrospect? I, you know, it, even looking back on it today, that's hard to explain. Hmm. I mean, I understand what's happening there, but looking at it as somebody who was as, a, as if I was there, I couldn't answer that question. You know, the deeper I got into it, um, it got to the point to where I felt uncomfortable even going to my parents' house because my parents were Christians. I, I felt oh. uncomfortable around Christians. It, it, it's like, it's like it gives you this ill feeling, you know, to right. be around Christian believers. It was very weird. Um, mm -hmm. It's very hard to explain. And it's just that, you know, the Christians have a, you know, all I knew at that time was Christians said there's only one way to God. Where in the New Age, you know, we're taught that there's, there's many ways in, you know, that we can all reach God. You know, actually the idea that all dogs do go to heaven, you know, uh, was kind of what they teach is just which avenue do you choose? You know, um, the whole, if you've ever seen the Zeitgeist movie where they, they show you that, you know, Jesus was just another one of the prophets, you know, like the ones before, you know, he's no, nothing special. That's the whole idea is to take the deity of Christ away. You know, yeah, and that's I, what I they teach, you know, they I do would... everything they can to, to take it away where he's not God or not the son of God. You know, there is, everything is just, you know, we are God in other words, is what they teach. I used to have friends over at Disney um, way back in the day. And it was, um, as Jim Jordan would say, campfire, um, campfire philosophy. And we would go to New Orleans over at Disneyland. Have you ever been to Disneyland? And we would have our clam chowder in a bread bowl and we'd sit around and very much like you're discussing talk about it. And, and I was, I was Christian, but you know, I was kind of like, I was interested in girls over there and, you know, and that's why I was sitting there, but I would listen to them and yeah, all dogs go to heaven except for Christianity. And I would ask, and that's why I asked you as well, maybe you had a different point of view on it. But the question was always, 
you know, well, why, why do you guys exclude Christianity? And the biggest one I ever got, and maybe you can confirm this, and maybe it's in ufology as well, is that Christianity was too exclusive. And that when you got into the realm of treating Jesus as God himself and the words he taught, suddenly it was not acceptable. And it was mostly just because it's not inclusive enough. And I, what's amazed me and what you've really said so far in your testimony has been really just a, how to say, an aggression, like an un, un, like an unnatural, unrational, unreasonable aggression towards Jesus and towards the Christian faith. So, yeah, I, I know... I, I just I thought I'd try that in because it's something I I experienced with you just a little differently, but yeah, it seems like that new age religion type things, and so they connect new age religion into the ufology, and the uh, encounters. Yes, it how it got connected, I'm not sure. Uh, mm -hmm. I never got to an you know a, a root cause. Of okay, because I was going to ask like, where how it did came it in, you know, of where it started in, but it, it the only thing I can link up there is these people in their avenues of looking for hope and assistance and help from what they've these experiences that turn their lives upside down is that these were the only avenues available that made an offer to help them and i think there's a lot of charlatans in that avenue that were saying hey i can help you you know let's try these crystals let's Let's try this meditation. Let's try these, you know, this type of therapy, you know, and there's a whole lot of charlatans in the new age metaphysical realm, uh, making money at whatever people are gullible to get sucked into, you know, uh, which is a very sad thing. Um, but the, it's a very seductive realm to be part of and it there's a hook that pulls you in that that will pull you in very quickly and very very deeply and i got sucked into that even to the point to where you know i was i was very good at converting christians to the metaphysical new age thinking because a lot of the christians i come across you know didn't know their word enough to be able to stand up against it being picked apart you know which is a shame right of course you know scripture tells us to, to know the word to be able to withstand and they didn't and later i you know in my story i you know i have to tell you i had to go back and talk to those people and ask for forgiveness and let them know that hey i'm you know i was wrong and, and what i led you was wrong and hopefully bring them people back you know Mm -hmm. And uh, pretty much I was able to do that with the ones that I uh, converted. Um, but that connection gave me another worldview to see the UFO phenomenon through. And what I saw from that perspective, being different from the agnostic humanist perspective, is that in the New Age metaphysical realm, they are not just looking at the alien UFO phenomenon as a physical being from another planet. They are also open to ethereal beings from other worlds. 
meaning what we would call spiritual realm, what the secular realm would call interdimensional beings, um, but still beings on other worlds. And that was a whole new perspective to see this alien from, uh, what we call an alien from. And then in 1996, through a chain of events that I dealt with in the summer of 96, um, that really brought me down in spirit and down in, um, brought me to a point of almost exhaustion between work and some things I was dealing with in 96. To a point in November of 96, I'll never forget it. I had a girlfriend at the time that, uh, was working with us in my research and I was glad she was because, you know, dealing with abductees, most of them are women and most of them have a lot of experience uh, in their testimonies that they share, which is very sexual in nature. And uh, it's, it's kind of hard to interview, you know, them, especially you don't want to do it sitting in a room with them by yourself. You know, you want to take precautions as a researcher to do it. Uh, where you don't get yourself in trouble. So it was good to have her do the interviews with the women in situations like that. And then I, she could always share the information with me. Um, but she was a Christian and I was a crystal rolling new ager, you know, but the one thing we agreed on was to not talk about politics or religion in our relationship. No problem. We got along fine <laughs> until one day, I'll never forget it, it was a Saturday, and I was over at her place, and uh, she saw I was dealing with some, you know, she'd been watching me, and she, she realized I was wore out. We had a couple cases that were very dark and deep, and plus the work I'd been doing, and the other stuff I was involved in with the, the research realm, and she says, you know, I think uh, you could use some serious protection in this realm you work in. Uh, she says, you know, there's some dark things here I see, and uh, I think you could use some really good protection. I reached in my pocket. I pulled out my little bag of crystals that I have all certain ones picked out that had certain abilities for protection. I said, got all of it I need right here. And <clears throat> she says, no, I think you need something far better than that. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm always open to something better than the crystals I had, you know? And of course, there's always something new out there. And she picks up this Bible off of her coffee table and says, it's, it's in here. And I said, ah, no, 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 no. We agreed. No religion, no politics. And she says, but I really think you should let me show you this. And, uh, you decide. I said, no, we agreed not to mix this stuff. And she said, okay, you know, you told everybody that you're the most open-minded, objective researcher there is. And I said, I tried to hold that claim. She says, oh, so you're willing to take a look at this. Yeah, yeah she made yeah. that trap out for you. I said, <laughs> yeah, I'd just been had. I said, okay. 15 minutes, lay it on me. She's okay. Well, I tell you what. That had to be God's timing right there as I look back on it because that was 
most impacting 15 minutes of my life I ever had. And I grew up in a church. I grew up with Christian parents going to church. I was involved in church groups, in church singing groups, you know, everything up until I was a senior in high school. Up until the time I was in a service in high school as a senior during the Vietnam War, and we were stationed, my dad was stationed in right outside of Fort Monmouth in New Jersey. And uh, we went to a church where a lot of the soldiers on base went to. I'll never forget this one soldier was getting ready to be deployed to Vietnam and he was, you know, very emotional about it. And the pastor brought him up to pray for him, you know, and pastor made a comment, never forget it, you know, to this day where, you know, he said, you know, he was doing his duty for God and country, you know, and I said, no, that ain't right. You know, I can understand this war being for God, for, for country. I said, God didn't tell me nothing about this war being for him. And I said, this ain't right. And I left the church, never went back. Something was wrong there, you know, wrong message. And I left, never went back again. But I grew up there. I, I knew the word. I knew what people went through. I knew, I watched people get saved. But this, it never reached me while I was in the church. It never grabbed me the way, you know, I, I saw it grabbing others. And then when she shared that message with me, that gospel message, and showed me the protection that was there from the creator of the entire universe that was, could have your back, I said, you know what? I have never heard this put this way. And I want that protection. And November 1996, November 10th, I made a profession of faith for Jesus Christ. Now I'm a Christian. Amen. I'm still a researcher. I'm still a UFO researcher. But now I'm a Christian. I started out an agnostic humanist. That was my worldview. Became a new age metaphysical practitioner. That was my worldview. Now I'm a Christian. Guess what? I'm picking up a new worldview. I've had the opportunity in the past 25 years that most researchers never get. And that's to see this phenomenon from three entirely different worldview perspectives. Most only get one, the one they start out with and the one they end up with. So I've had a chance to see this phenomenon in what, 3D? Okay. So I just want people to understand that, that I didn't come at this as a lifetime Bible thumper. And the findings I'm going to share with you of CE4 research from the past 25 years is not coming from a, I started out as a Bible thumper and this is what we're gonna want you to believe. It didn't start out that way. That's why I shared this with you. As I 
continued on as a new believer in Christ. I wanted to know more. I had the opportunity to go through an intensive study course with one of my investigators who was also a Christian. It wasn't long after that that I told them, I said, guys, I shouldn't be doing this. This is not of God. This phenomenon is nothing we should be part of. I have a feeling this is evil. I have a feeling this is demonic. I do not think that as Christians we should be participating in it. I've decided to walk away from it. And they saw my viewpoint and they agreed with me. So we were ready to disband the whole thing, just shut it down. And a couple of weeks went by. We hadn't made a move yet, but I get this small, still voice that says, you're not done yet. And I'm thinking, where is that coming from, you know? Um, I'd heard stories that people hear voices from God or whatever, but why me? You know, and I keep hearing it. You're not done yet. You're not done yet. I'm going, God, is that you talking? I'm not done yet. I'm not done with what? You need to take this back where you came from. Take what you've learned back where you came from. And I'm like, what? Take what? And I'm thinking, God, if you want me to take this Bible message back to this area, these New Age metaphysical people, that's where I came from. I said, they don't accept this. They don't accept the word of God to be the inner word of the creator of the universe. They think the word of God is a joke. I said, you got to give me something better than that. You know, nobody told me you don't talk back to God like that. I was a new believer, you know. But I was being honest. I said, you got to give me something better than that. And I thought, okay, no problem. He won't answer to that. And uh, a couple of weeks went by, and there it goes again. You already have what you need. So I talked to my Christian researcher, that field investigator that was working with me, my co-founder of CE4. And he says, well, let's go back and see what we got. And because uh, he was open to the idea that maybe it was God was trying to straighten me out. And uh, we went back and looked at some of the videotapes that we had recorded of testimonies of abductions. And lo and behold, we got to this one tape. And it's like, you remember this? Nope. He didn't either. This guy, he's telling us his story. And we remembered him coming to the meetings, pretty regular. He worked out at the Kennedy Space Center as a maintenance guy. And uh, he'd been having sightings. He'd been having abduction experiences. And he had recently become a new believer at a small church in Christmas, Florida, which is just to the west. It's actually between where I lived in Orlando, Florida. Christmas, Florida. Yeah. Little tiny town. Is there Santa Claus and all that stuff too? Oh, they got a giant Christmas tree that's there year round. People all people come from all over to mail their mail for uh and have it stamped Christmas, you know, on their, their letters. That is uh, so cool in a tropical right environment they bring they bring yeah. Christmas. Sorry. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting when you said that town's name. Continue on. Oh yeah, it's a little tiny rural place and it you know, it's uh it's uh let me put it this way. 
you look up redneck in the encyclopedia, you'll see Christmas, Florida, you know, so <laughs> it fits every aspect of it. There you know, you nothing, nothing against them. I got a lot of good friends that live there, you know, but it's definitely, yeah, it, it fits every part of it. Um, neat place. Good for hunting and fishing, by the way. A lot of lakes there, rivers. I'm down. Yeah. And, uh, so he's telling us that he, he had just become a new believer. And during this experience that he's telling us about, all of a sudden, the experience became very horrific. And he went into extreme terror. And the only thing that came to his mind was something they had just taught him in this little church, that if you were ever in need of help, Jesus will be there for you. That's the only thing he remembered. And he cried out in terror during this experience, Jesus, 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 or Jesus help me. And immediately he woke up in the bed. And his wife was next to him and he woke her up and she said, why are you jumping on the bed? Because he felt like he was slammed down on the bed. He felt like he would have been levitated in the air. And the, the actual testimony, he says he, he felt like he was being held up in the air with a pole shoved up his rectum. Okay. That's yeah, got to be a terrible experience. Yes, it was. But a pole up said rectum. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a terrible experience. Oh. So immediately he wakes up and he realizes, what was that? How could I have been there and now here? So he made a point to tell us that experience. He didn't know what to make of it. I guess, you know, I don't know why we didn't capture that at all. All I can think of is we weren't in the right mind at the time, especially me, because this was six months prior to me becoming a believer that we had interviewed this guy. So I wasn't looking for that at all. But now, as a believer, I made the connection when we rewatched it. And as I rewatched it, I'm thinking to my partner there, I'm going, that we can take back to where I came from. Because that has never been heard of. What we had just come across was either something that was totally misunderstood, a total hoax, or the most incredible thing that's ever been recorded in the history of ufology. And that was an experience being able to be stopped. Because in all the research that we had consumed, videos, books, and everything else, so that we wouldn't hurt those people anymore, they didn't talk about stopping an experience. Matter of fact, they said that these experiences couldn't be stopped. So I'm thinking, well, I need to cover my bases here. I got to find out whether we're dealing with something legit. So I said, well, what's the best way to do that? Hmm? Talk to the real guys that do this for a living. So I got the phone numbers from the guys that top researchers in the world that I could get a hold of. There were five of them that I called. I called them at home. I said, guys, I got this unusual case. I'd like to share with you, get your opinion on it. Let me know what you think about it. I don't know what to make of it. Sure, tell us what you got. So I 
share the case story with them. They're quiet. Then they ask, can we go off the record? And I said, sure. Off the record to your listeners means they're asking for anonymity. As a MUFON representative, we respect anonymity. If you come to me and you want to share your story, but you don't want your name to be shared, by law, I respect that. Okay? And I always will. That's what we're bound by. Okay? We're after the information to be able to solve this puzzle. And I will stand by that till the end of my complete research. So I'll tell you what these guys, and they all ask for the, you know, same thing. They all ask to go off the record. So I can tell you what these guys said, but I can't tell you who they were and who said what. What they said was, and they all said the same thing, yes, we've come across similar cases. And I said, what do you mean similar? And they said, well, we've come across people who have either hummed a, a hymn or quoted scripture or uh, prayed or use the name of Jesus to stop an experience and it halted. I said, really? I said, why have you never talked about this in any of your research publications? Well, their answer was, we didn't know what to make of it. And you know what? I'm fine with that answer. I would have said, thank you, hang up the phone and move on. But they didn't stop at that answer. They went on with a second answer because I guess they didn't think that was good enough. <laughs> uh, I'm glad they did because mm -hmm. I learned something from it. And that second answer was, we were afraid to go there because it might affect our credibility in the research realm. You know what that means? They didn't want to get involved with spirituality or religion or Christianity in their research in the realm because they thought they would lose their credibility of bringing it up. So basically, to save their own necks, they decided not to come forward with the truth of how to save other people out of these horrible situations. So in the process, God showed it to you, and now basically they're having their butt put to the fire of why the heck they didn't say anything. So what's another word for not telling all the information? Half-truth. Give about, me another one. How about suppressing the truth and unrighteousness? A liar. How about, about cover-up? Yeah. Cover-up, definitely. Yeah. And you know what? It's amazing that in, if you're in this realm of study long enough, which is about this much, you will start to hear the word cover up, cover up, cover up, cover up in relation to the American government or foreign governments um, everywhere you turn. It's always the government is covering up. Ladies and gentlemen that are listening to this, I will tell you that the cover up to be worried about is not from the governments as much as you think. It is from the researchers themselves that you are have been relying on for the truth on this subject matter. And that's when I told them, thank you guys, but I'm going to find the rest of these cases as you stated that there are, and I'm going to document them. I'm going to make them available for peer review 
publish them in any way that I can to show that this piece of the puzzle does exist and make sure that it's brought to the table to be able to put the entire picture of the puzzle together to get a full honest idea of what we're dealing with. And they all said, please do, because we can't. And on we went with CE4 Research. And it wasn't long. We put our first little story out there. We had an article in the paper, local paper, done by Rita Elkins in uh, spring of 97, where um, it made our local paper. She did an article on us. We had a few cases by then that we had come across able to put together and I shared it with her. She had the religious section of the people section in the Today newspaper there in Brevard County. Well, we had a two-page spread she did for us. Great article. I've got it up on my website still. And uh, I thought, wow, we made the big time. You know, we were in the paper. And I <laughs> thought, uh, <laughs> well, we made it bigger than we thought. Because back then there were still no cell phones. And here we are with, uh, you know, you got these little boxes on your phone, your house phone, called an ID caller that oh, you yeah. purchased you know, back then. And uh, I started getting phone calls because we had put our phone number out there, you know, in the article that if you are one of these testimonies to give us a call, because that's what we were looking for. We were looking for other testimonies to build a database. People had done this. And uh, the calls started coming in, you know, over the next few weeks. And they're saying, yeah, I saw this article in my local paper, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at the ID caller while I'm listening to this to the guy and I'm going where's that area code from oh I'm in Wyoming or I'm in Kansas or I'm in you know South Dakota or I'm in New York or I'm like wait a minute what do you mean your local paper and they yeah right here in my local paper and they give me the name of the paper and it wasn't today paper I'm like what is going on here so I went down and talked to my buddy. Uh, I had a reporter buddy at the Today Paper, and he was real involved with UFO stuff. He did a lot of articles with me with, with MUFON over the years, but he wouldn't do this article, but he gave it to Rita Elkins to do. But I went down and talked to him. His name is Billy Cox. He's, uh, he was He's done a lot of really good stuff in the UFO realm for reporting over the years. And I asked Billy, I said, Billy, you know, Rita did this great article for us, and I'm getting calls from all over the country from people who said they saw this article in their local paper. How does that happen? He says, oh, you didn't know? And I said, no, what? And he says, today paper's just a subsidiary of uh, Gannett News. He says that got picked up and went everywhere for Gannett, for all their subsidiaries all over the country that they own. Oh, so we had cases coming in all over. When long, we had about 50 cases. Also, this is beginning of the internet time. And there was a internet news service that was the way it was working at the time, being a new news service. It was picking up newspaper articles that were interesting and posting them on their internet news service. And people that had internet at the time would be able to see these stories. 
Well, guess what article got picked up on that internet news service early on the internet? That same article. So first we went countywide, then we went nationwide, then we went worldwide, and all of this was to none of our doing. We didn't have the ability to market like that. You know, no <laughs> funding, no avenue, no marketers, but yet this went worldwide. And I'm thinking, by the grace of God, this thing took off. You know, it got out there, and I told my partner, I says, you know, this thing has got to reach far enough before it can get to the point of, it's got to go past the point of no return before somebody shuts it down. Because, you know, they didn't like this thing in the first place. They didn't like this idea of it getting out there in the beginning. Had a lot of people come against it. And, uh but it, it did. It got past that point of no return. And then the next year, I had somebody that said, hey, you need to get a copy of uh, um, Flying Saucer Review. It's one of the, the most noted UFO magazines of, of all time was out of England uh, called Flying Saucer Review. And there it was. They picked up Rita's article and published the whole thing in Flying Saucer Review. And at that time, I thought, you can't get no bigger than that. You know, and now we made, you know, as, as probably far as we could get. And even more stories come in. So now we're getting them from other countries, you know. But this is when things started to change. Here, I was on track to doing what God was showing me to do. Take this back to where you came from. I was getting as much ammo as I could put together, evidence, to show that this name and authority of Jesus Christ, this power in the name of Jesus stops this experience. Put it up there. I'm, I'm giving them as much evidence as I can show, case after case after case after case. How many do you need to see? Because they're still coming in. This is what I'm showing them way back then. And now I've got the website up. I've got, you know, in the very beginning there, first website. We got it up there. We're posting these testimonies online. Now people are starting to get on the internet and people are starting to read the, the, the website testimonies. Now I'm getting emails that say, I saw these testimonies on your website. I've been having these experiences. Can you help me? And I'm thought, um, never thought of that. Really, I did. Wasn't my purpose. My purpose was to show you that it was working for people. Um, but I saw that things were getting ready to change. I was going to have to change. And I saw that it was time to start helping people that needed the help. So I was doing everything I could, taking what I had learned from these testimonies, what had helped these people, and trying to understand how it helped them and get them to understand that this is what worked for these people. And I think it can help you too. I think it can work the same for you. You know, through this relationship in Jesus Christ, I believe that you can stop these experiences also. And it wasn't long before we were getting testimonies in. I took your advice. I saw the testimonies, and I made a profession of faith to Jesus Christ, and I have been able to stop these experiences too. So now you know what we have? 
We have repeatability. That's perfect. Repeat that's, that's scientific. That's exactly right. That is what's needed to show when you're putting this all together. Now, something else we had put together in our research was in the very beginning, talking about the scientific part of it, we decided to, along with collecting these testimonies, we would put out a hypothesis or a question, you know, for study. And that question we put out there was, I just wanted to put a simple one out there. Let's make it simple. Let's get an answer. Let's just do it and say we're done. Mm -hmm. That way we did our part, you know, for MUFON. So as a new Christian, I said, here, let's do it real simple. We're going to get an answer. I know the answer already. And we, we've done our job. It's like a quick way to get your homework done, right? <laughs> so the question was, are Christians being abducted by aliens? Okay, that's our question. We agreed. That's what we'll put out there. So we started doing the research, looking around. We're going, well, our testimonies say, yes, these people, some of them are professing Christians. Why else would they call on Jesus? But then I got to talking to some other Christians that say, you know, I don't know any Christians that have had this happen to them. And these are very devout Christians that church-going people, Bible-reading, Bible-believing, um, you know, people that are pretty focused on Jesus in their life. These people said, I don't know any people like this that, like this that have these experiences. You know, what are these people doing that's different? And I said, you know, it's a good question. As we started looking into it, we found differences. What we found was a difference in the type of Christian. There were, and, and we gave it a simple term back then, and what we found were there were talk-to-talk -talk Christians and walk-to-walk -walk Christians. Talk-to-talk -talk Christians were usually fairly new Christians that had yet developed their walk with Jesus, their, their true putting on of the new man, kind of using a scriptural term. Um, they, were, they hadn't turned off all of the worldly things yet. Um, they still had a, you know, their finger caught in the worldly door. And the reason I say door is because of what we found in the research later. And I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but these people had not given their whole life over to the teachings and, you know, things that Jesus asked of us, where other Christians had. Um, they turned away from the worldly things. They focused on their family and, and on God as their main primary focus in life. They became what I call the walk-the-walk walk believers. We were seeing these experiences in those group of people. So what did I end up with here? Yes and no. Two answers for the question. And I thought, oh, man, that's a problem, you know? 
So now I got to go explore a little deeper. So what I thought was an easy question turned out to be a very deep question. So, well, why are these people, these Christians, having this experience? Well, you know what? That's a good question because it's the same question that the rest of the UFO researcher realm is asking still to this day. Why do people have this abduction experience? Now, to give you the answer to that, some answers to that. First, dealing at it from a secular perspective, MUFON will tell you, and so will the leading researchers, that looking at the sighting reports of all the millions of sighting reports that have come in over the past seven decades, 98% of them are what they would call misidentifieds. In other words, they were actually either man-made or natural phenomenon that were misidentified um, because they either didn't see it clearly or didn't understand what they were seeing. But they can be ruled out as being man-made or natural. It's that 2% that they're actually looking at. And even to the point to where today they've had to kind of change the name to, uh, you'll hear it now on the news called UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, because they needed to separate that 2% out to being different from, you know, unidentified, just unidentified. Because there's, there's, it's not just an unidentified object, there's, there's more a phenomenon to it. In other words, it, there's characteristics that's separated completely different. Uh, to me, I call it a paranormal aspect to it. Well, the same thing goes on with the abduction realm. A good 98% of abduction stories are not what they appear to be. Um, if you really get into the work of abductions, and you, I'm, I'm talking, you got to be honest with yourself. Even if you're an experiencer yourself, you really should take a look and rule everything out first before you result to the most fantastic of what you think could be happening to you. Um, you never go to the fantastic first. You rule everything out else out first. And you know what? If, if you got something that's actually happening over and over again, I'd actually start with an honest doctor, you know, and tell him, hey, I've been having these things, you know. This could be a medical condition, and in many cases it is. There's a lot of things that can cause this experience in people to happen, and it's not an alien experience, okay? Mm -hmm. And science knows this. Psychology knows this. Psychiatry knows this. And there's things called... Um, false memory syndrome, which many people are susceptible to. There's, there's, a, there's a term, I can't remember what it is, but it's a proneness to facet, fascinating things that people have that, that, that attract people. And some people are you know, subject to that. And these are natural things that are part of the human experience 
that some people are more open to having it happen to them than others. And it can lead them to thinking they've had this similar experience. And the reason they, that this experience comes up is a lot because of the suggestibility that we're prone to also. Um, suggestibility is, is a powerful tool used by, you know, some of the leading companies in this entire world to get money out of us. Every time you watch a commercial, I mean every time, the power of suggestion is being used because that power of suggestion is used to brainwash you to be able to get you to spend money on their product. They know how to use this. You think the military knows how to control your mind? They're not the only ones. Public companies buy that information and learn that information to be able to get you to spend your money on their product, which is probably worthless in the first place. But you'll still spend your money because of the suggestion that it might be good for you. So basically, in essence, what you're suggesting is people are, um, and we're coming up to, we're actually hitting a, uh, we're just under 10 minutes left on the 90-minute uh, interview we're having. So basically, in, in short, in condensed frame, it's these people basically can be suggested that they have it. So I guess uh, to really quickly, if we were to put in question in last uh, little under 10 minutes is when you're talking about suggestiveness, um, are most people being suggested that they should, that they're having these experiences? And um, yeah, it's kind of my question on that. Most are, there would be, like I said, most, there's going to be an other answer to it. It gets down to that 2%, I would say, that's left that we don't understand. If there seems to be something paranormal, I would say even something spiritual. It's that aspect right there that I would say we're still not dealing with extraterrestrials. We're dealing with a spiritual event, and that spiritual event being a visionary-type event. Now, bottom line from all of this, that open door I talked to you about, the answer to why this happens to certain people, our research shows that if you involve yourself, if you open the door to anything that is in that Bible that God tells us not to be part of, you're allowing the opportunity for this experience to happen. From where does it come from? Everything is pointing to this to being a spiritual experience from a demonic realm, from a spiritual demonic entity. Why do I say that? Because of the name and the power of Jesus Christ to be able to stop this experience points to that. The messages that come from communication, which Carl Teacher writes about in his work and has studied, and my partner Guy Malone has studied, all the communication that comes from this, and you'll see it in the New Age metaphysical teachings too, is always anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-creation, anti-Christ. So everything is pointing to a very sinister, dark, evil, demonic source behind this experience. And the power and authority of Jesus Christ has been able to stop it. People actually ask for this experience. That's one way that it happens to some people. Believe me, they do. They want to, they're curious. They want to know. Be careful what you ask for. 
Right. The second one is people unknowingly dabble in things that open this experience up to them. That's what I was just talking about. Right. These are the people that the walk to walk people that still got their finger in the worldly door that are dabbling in things they shouldn't do. That allows this experience to happen. The third one is, is the parents have the door open. Parents be wary. You need to have that spiritual covering over your family. The man is the biblical spiritual head of the family. If he doesn't have that spiritual covering over his household, your kids are susceptible to this experience. This is a traumatic, life-changing, horrible experience. No matter what these people will tell you, this is not a good experience to have in any way. The only way that has been able to stop this experience, not just while it was happening, but terminating it from ever happening again, which it does in people's lives, is through a relationship with Jesus Christ, through calling out in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that has been able to stop this experience. The research of CE4 shows this. I've got over 400 cases that I've documented that I can show. I've worked with over 600 cases in 25 years. The, the book we have out, we just released on Amazon, Piercing the Cosmic Veil, available now on Amazon, is probably the best tool in ufology right now to be able to show you all of this in detail, broken down, how you as a Christian can show and, re and share this with somebody who's involved in this realm, or if you are involved this, in this realm, it shows you how you can see and understand the red flags that will alert you to see and that this is not what you think it is. A question for you. Uh, on your book, uh, and I mentioned, I think, one of the, uh, the other shows that we did or maybe before was the issue of alien intrusion, the book. And, and that book helped me a lot to sort out a lot of the garbage, right? Mm -hmm. Would that book uh, be a book that would complement what you were doing? Uh, are you taking it to a whole different level? Uh, or what? What's the difference? Uh, and and now I have not read your book yet, right? But I'm uh, getting interested. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is an absolute compliment to Alien Intrusion. Um, I worked with Gary Bates, who's the author of Alien Intrusion, uh, a little bit on his book. Um, he actually took a chapter and wrote about my work and and my testimony in his book. Um, he gets into depth and, and takes you through the whole history of the UFO phenomenon and breaks down all of the aspect of what the abduction experience is, how it works, the whole all that aspect. Because that's already covered, I don't do that in my book. There's, there's thousands of books out there that cover that aspect already. I wasn't looking to rehash everything that's already been done in a book. What I do in my book is take that, take it from that point and move in depth even farther. The one thing that I can show is not just giving you what the phenomenon appears to be, but the evidence for it. The primary thing in my book is the evidence, okay? The evidence that life can be changed through the name and authority of Jesus Christ from this horrific experience. There's no other evidence in this realm 
anywhere that can show you that this is, is not what it appears to be than what I can bring to you in these testimonies. These testimonies are the most powerful evidence in the world to show you the true nature of this experience. You know, I, I, I look at uh, both these uh, books and I have, you know, I've gone through Gary Bates' book and uh, it was uh, kind of a mixed blessing on it because a lot of it I knew because he starts out with logic and physics and he moves up each chapter, right? But I didn't want to miss anything. So I kind of got through it. Then after about halfway through it, I'm saying, now we're getting to the point, right? But he wanted to build the, the knowledge base, the logic, the understanding it took to get to that point. And that's why I've always recommended that book. Uh, because it's not sensational. It's straightforward. The last chapter, he gives the gospel in an amazing way. And now we find that you wrote a book that goes and, 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 and moves on from that. And uh, so the people that have had these type of experiences and so forth, uh, not only can straighten out through his book, but now have something to really connect with with your book. And Nick, are we getting close? Yeah, we're coming down to the wire. We just got about 70 okay. seconds left. Okay, so let's, uh, uh, how would somebody get a hold of you? And your uh, internet site is ce4research.org? Com, dot com. Com, ce4.com, uh, and that's the uh, That's the uh, website. Four. And that's yep. the website that they can get to, and then they can contact you through that website. Is that correct? They can, or they can just contact me straight through my email, which is ce4president at yahoo.com. Okay. And I'd like to also add that this phenomena uh, crosses over into the false memory uh, syndrome of uh, 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 satanic rituals, uh, ritualistic abuse, sleep uh, paralysis, sleep paralysis, and all this type of thing. That if you have uh, uh, even that type of issue, this book I would say would help you uh, because it's dealing with the core issue of a spiritual uh, foundation that we need to fight that uh, enemy foundation. And uh, so I'll, le I'll leave it at that, and hopefully we can have one more show. Sure. All right. Well, I just want to go ahead and put on this from this one particular episode. Uh, everyone, thank you for joining on this. I hope it was very, um, really eye-opening to what's happening here. And to go ahead and uh, contact Joe Jordan on the information we presented here tonight. And if you're having these experiences or you want answers, until next time we meet again, may God virtually bless you all, my dearly beloved.